0: organizers and um, everyone here who was behind this camp, it's a great privilege for me to be back here and to see many familiar faces and some new faces, and I pray that we would have a good time tonight. Let me just echo what um, Mr. Tenelsoff just said, if you have questions, please don't hesitate to write them down, especially because uh, Dr. Beakey is here, and we'll be sure he uh, he gets put to work with those, so... Uh, Please take your Bibles and look with me at Proverbs chapter 4. The topic that was assigned to me was wisdom to encourage perseverance. You've looked at a lot of different aspects of wisdom. And um, perseverance or endurance is really, really important, especially in the world in which we live. It in every age, but um, we'll look at all the threats that are coming at us and uh, how wisdom Um, wisdom from God is needed to help us persevere. Let me begin my reading at Proverbs 4, verse 10. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom, I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction, let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the way of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as a shining light, which shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep. Thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Let's pray the Lord to bless his word to our hearts. Great and gracious Lord, be thou our guide. As we've opened thy word, as we have this topic before us this evening, we need thee. Without thee we're lost, we're blind, and we will fail. Bind that upon our minds and hearts and help us to know wisdom. And to go the way of wisdom empowered by thy Holy Spirit from out of Christ. Who is willing to indwell hearts like our own. Such foolish hearts. Such ignorant hearts. Such hearts bent on on going our own way. Lord, I pray for every single young person here and all who are with us. Lord, do a mighty work. And may those who have never started the race. May they come on the race by Jesus Christ in true conversion. and May those who have begun to run the race, may they do so and continue with patience, looking unto Jesus. We ask this all in the pardon of every sin in Jesus' name. Amen. Perseverance. I looked at some common definitions of perseverance and they line up very well with what the Bible says about perseverance. Perseverance is steady persistence. And connected with that, perseverance is withstanding hardship and stress. And thirdly, continuing despite pain, pressure, and provocation. So, of course, the analogy of a race is close at hand it 's a biblical one uh, when you 're running a marathon or any any race, you need to persevere till the end to the finish line, or nothing matters. nothing counts to drop out uh, a few steps before the finish line is as bad as dropping out a few steps after the the starting block and so On races, in marathons, you encounter all kinds of stressors, maybe competitors around you, Uh, maybe the course is filled with obstacles, and your own limitations, maybe a lot of pain uh, or stress or hardship, and so too life is filled with these things, including and especially the Christian life. Now Perseverance requires a number of things. It requires strength. And in the Christian race, it requires strength of mind, of soul, also of body to a certain extent, a certain stamina to do what, what God has called us to do. I've compared strength here to the engine of perseverance. Without a spiritual strength, you simply won't, won't persevere. But that strength will be tested, and so what you need is to have patience, which is especially the endurance, the endurance. When things come your way, not to stab back at people, not to become bitter, not to uh, become bitter at God, but rather to endure whatever God sees fit to send your way. Patience is the stamina, the long-term strength uh, that is needed for perseverance. But also, what is perseverance without hope? Uh, A person can have all the strength in the world, all all the patience in the world, but without hope, without the idea that we can and we will make the finish line. One of the greatest enemies uh, and threats to perseverance is the lack of hope. And if you're a Christian here today and you find your hope becoming small or even fading away, you are in great danger. You need your hope renewed. You need to look to the source of hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've compared hope to the fuel of perseverance. What good is a a, a mighty engine um, without fuel? It simply stops. And so, too, hope can be that that fuel. But you can have all those things we've mentioned. And if you don't have wisdom, you will be found lacking. Why? Well, like it says here, without wisdom, your strength will not be used rightly. You'll be spinning your wheels. Uh, You might be forceful, but you're not heading in the right direction. You're not dealing with things rightly. Without wisdom, your patience will not accomplish anything. You might just sit back and endure everything, but you're not practically engaged. And even hope, in the ultimate analysis, will not have direction, will not have practical implementation unless you have wisdom to know what to do with specific challenges and specific needs. This is the launch of the Mars rover. It was launched on July 30th, 2020, at 1150 uh, universal time coordinates, and from Florida through NASA. And attached to this rocket was the Mars rover, which is still active today, and the Mars helicopter. And about eight months later, on April 19, 2021, so eight months later and 293 miles further away, uh, this, these two devices landed at Jezero Crater on Mars. And that's where they've been operating ever since. And the reason I, I bring this up is because the Mars rover has been named Perseverance, interestingly, by the NASA people. Well, it's persevered across these 293 million miles and over these many months, and that is amazing. And it's doing things that have never been done before. And what is more interesting even is that attached to this Mars rover is this helicopter, which is only four pounds, I didn't know that, very light, and its blades make 2,500 rotations per minute, which is needed in this environment. And this helicopter is named Ingenuity. And so this rocket launched off Perseverance, and attached to Perseverance was Ingenuity. Now, from a a biblical point of view and for our purposes tonight, you'd almost want this to be called wisdom. And essentially, this is picturing for us, isn't it, how important wisdom is for perseverance. The two go hand in hand. And apparently, these two devices, I've only looked a little bit into this. uh, I'm, I'm on dangerous territory here. I'm not an engineer, not a scientist or anything like that. Some might know this much better. But they work hand in hand. And uh, especially Ingenuity, the helicopter, will go ahead of Perseverance, scope it out, and communicate back through the scientists, obviously, as to what needs to happen. And so these two things are working in tandem. And the message that perhaps these NASA people had no idea that they were sending, but the message I want to send to you and what the scriptures send is that if you are to persevere, In the Christian life, you must have not just ingenuity, you must have biblical wisdom. And that wisdom is attached to perseverance. It is that which, in a certain sense, goes ahead, scopes it out, tells us from the word of God, we'll see, tells us what to do and where not to go and what not to do. And this is exactly what Solomon says. Now, not in Proverbs. We're just going to skip to Ecclesiastes a second. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but wisdom is better than strength. And this lines up with what we've been saying. You need strength for perseverance. But if you don't have wisdom, oh, you're in in a poor position. We need wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? You've been studying that all week, and I don't know what definitions you've been given, but let me give you one that um, perhaps lines up with what you were told. Biblical wisdom is the ability to perceive. And secondly, to implement the will of God in particular situations. Now, in life, there are your visionary people who are able to perceive things very well. They, they look out on a situation, they typically see things that other people don't see things. They're visionaries, and that's, that's a great skill. Uh, some of you may, may be like that or develop into that, where you can oversee things very well. But if that doesn't go hand in hand with executing and implementing, you're simply kind of a daydreamer, someone who looks over things and knows lots of things, but never practices what you should practice. And biblical wisdom has both. And that's what you need to covet and pray for and seek with God's help to develop in your life. Not only perception, but also implementation. And isn't this exactly what these two devices on Mars are doing? Uh, this helicopter is really perceiving things. The, the rover is as well, but the helicopter moves ahead, uh, goes off the planet, and, and perceives things. And the rover implements what this, what this helicopter is, is seeing and what the scientists are telling. And you need both. You need in your own life to have a relationship with God in which both your head and your heart and your hands are involved. And that's what the Lord promises to give all those who seek that from him. I just want to stay a moment here with the vision, with the perception, because this is what Proverbs says. And this is, by the way, in in your outline, this is the point of the importance of long-term vision. Where there is no vision, the Bible says, the people perish. That's the opposite of persevering. If you perish, you don't persevere. And if you don't persevere, you're you're perishing. So the Bible is saying here that where there is no vision, the people will perish. But he that keepeth the law or the word of God, happy is, is he. Now, You need from the scriptures to have a vision of the whole race. You need to know how long this marathon is going to be. It's long. You might not know how many years it's going to be. But the Bible gives you an accurate and faithful portrait of the whole Christian life. And everything that you might meet on your way to heaven. And it's so honest. And you need to take stock of that. Pilgrim's Progress, there's all these characters who come out of the city of destruction, and they go but a little way. And then when hardship reaches them, then they turn back. But Christian perseveres, partly because he knows that in life you will suffer tribulation. There will be hardship, there will be difficulty. But the end goal is there. So the first thing I want to press upon you here as we meet together tonight is that you would have a biblical vision about the Christian life from start to finish. And that you wouldn't be one of those people who leaves camp pumped up because of what you've heard. But in a few days, as you meet the real struggles of life, you say, mm, didn't count on this. Uh, this. This is not worth it. It's, it's like the difference between someone who's running... Um, A marathon, a full marathon, and and a person who's just running a mile. If you go into a a race thinking, okay, this is going to be a mile, and it turns out to be a full marathon, you're going to give up. But if you're in it for real, you're in it for the long haul, if you take stock of what the Bible says life is going to be, then you won't perish because you'll have vision. You'll have the scriptural vision. So where there is no vision, the people perish, but happy is he that keepeth the law. Let me just tell you here that I talked to a pilot once, and I said, you know, what do you do when you're in a storm and you can't see around you? Of course, that's an ignorant question. They're trained for this. But he put it to me like this. He says, a pilot is trained to watch his instruments, no matter what he sees or what he doesn't see. In other words, there may be days when you could fly conceivably a good pilot without instruments. Everything's clear, there's no obstacles, none of that. But you need to trust your instruments. You need to trust those things that are your eyes and your ears. Even when everything around you says, hey, this doesn't look right, this doesn't look good. You said, trust your instruments. Of course, there's probably cases in which your instruments go wrong. But in scriptural terms, biblically speaking, the word of God, which is to be your instrument panel in a certain sense, reverently speaking, is never wrong. You need to trust this book with all that you are and all that you have because happy is he that keepeth the law. Happy is he or she who observes the word of God. This is your vision. Sometimes we sing that song, I don't know if you know that song, Be Thou My Vision. And and what a wonderful thing that is, when God is our vision, when He gives us eyes, when He is the light through whom we see light. Because then you won't perish when God's your vision. But do you know when you sing that, Be Thou My Vision, you sing this with the Word of God open. Because these are the eyes. This is the light that God wants you to see. And that gives you vision. And you might not understand much of it. As you grow, you will understand more of it. But it is your vision. Just seek it. Search it. Thy word is a lamp unto me. The psalmist says, and a light on my pathway to heaven. Well, We want to go to some of the Threats that there are on the race and threats to perseverance. I read through the book of Proverbs from beginning to end just to to search out what might be all the threats, and there are a lot. I have three main ones here for you, and there's a lot more. And if you're reading Proverbs right now, or any part of the Word of God, then take stock. What are threats against perseverance? And I've attuned these to you young people because, you know, there's certain sins that plague older people. There are certain sins that plague middle-aged people. Old people can fall into complacency and compromise and just weariness. Middle-aged people, they they tend to be busy and they can become worldly and materialistic and distracted. One of the things that I want to urge you young people about is the threat of laziness. Now, anyone can be a- lazy at any time in their life. But a lot of times when you're young, and I've been there, you think like this. Listen, I have my whole life stretched out before me. You know, I'm in my prime. i got a lot of energy. If I'm going to waste some years, let me, let me waste them now, and I'll get serious in 10, 10, 15 years or so, or maybe a few years. And Proverbs, which was written to young people initially, in, direct, in a direct sense, it is so damning regarding laziness. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall a poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. This is also in chapter 6 and chapter 23. And so it's diagnosing for us a profound threat against perseverance, to be lazy. Now this is true in everyday life. If you're going to waste some of these precious years that you have, you won't be able to make up for them. Not not really. So so don't don't lose these years even at at an earthly level. But spiritually speaking, to waste this part of your life is, is one of the worst things you can do. The years when your physical strength is at its optimum, when your mental strength is such that you're absorbing a lot, when socially speaking you you have time for relationships to influence people uh, for good, spiritually don't give in to this threat to be lazy at any level. What that means is that every day you, you have a plan, spiritually speaking in an earthly way as well you don't just waste day after day. A, a lot of times I advise people make a plan the day before already. Before you go to bed at night. Just say, okay, tomorrow, here are my duties, here are my obligations, here are my goals. And set yourself to accomplish them. You might not accomplish all of them, but without a plan, without being determined, you for sure will waste a lot more time. So the first threat is, is laziness second threat that Proverbs points out for us here is the lack of self-control. It's related to number one. He that hath no rule over his own city is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Talking about perseverance, you're not going to persevere without self-control. If you live on autopilot, if you fail to control yourself, the help of the Lord, looking to the Lord in the light of His Word. You're going to be this wreckage of a city that's torn down. People will will walk past and say, look, here's someone who didn't control themselves. And um, their life is broken. It's broken down. Obviously, there's always hope. But take care that you don't give in to this threat number two, no self-control. A third a third one I want to press upon you as as young people is a third threat to perseverance is not heeding correction. Not heeding correction. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. And this is in every chapter in Proverbs. My son, listen to your father. Don't despise your mother. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't, don't turn away from correction. A lot of times when you're young, you think you, you know life as well as your parents, if not better. Um, my young son, he told me a few weeks back when I was comparing what he was going through with, with what we had to do when we were young. He said, Dad, those were the olden days. It's different today. And that's in all of our minds, right? We live in, we live in, in different times, and our parents don't know uh, what we're going through. Now, it's true, there are some different ingredients to this time, but your parents, they're godly parents, they have seen things a number of times. And even if the name of something changes, the principle behind it is, is staying the same. So your parents didn't have to battle, at least to the same degree, technology like you have to today, but the world was as powerful then, and they had to battle that. And when they say to you, listen, this is having a mastery over your life, this technology, the world is coming into your eyes and ears and life, and it's changing you. It's changing your mind. Uh, don't throw that aside. Take their correction. I'd be so bold to say this. At times during the week, sit down with your father, your mother, they're godly, they care for your soul, or someone older than yourself who can mentor you and ask them what you can do to improve, how how to, to, to do better at what God calls you to do. And listen to them. Don't grow defensive. But listen. They might not be 100% right all the time. But there's going to be enough there that if you bring to the Lord and you bring to the Scriptures and you listen, you're soft, you're tender to that. Oh, my friend, you'll, you'll really help avoid this threat of not heeding correction. Every one of us needs correction. A few more threats. Sexual immorality. There's a lot of chapters. I'm sure you've talked about it this week already. I just want to raise this again because this is huge. Chapter 5 of Proverbs, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 9, and other chapters are graphic and they are full of warnings against sexual immorality. And again, this is directed primarily at young people. There are scores of people whose lives are broken into a thousand pieces because of this. Satan knows this. The world knows this. This is a powerful force in anyone's life. And particularly you young people, you need to take before God a holy resolution to flee sexual immorality, to have nothing to do with it, to be as far away from it, as is possible, to, like Joseph, run from it. Matthew Henry said, some sins we must fight, but this sin we must flee. In other words, don't try to negotiate. Don't try to manage this sin. Just flee from it. Flee sexual immorality. This is a huge threat against persevering. Proverbs lists this threat as well, frequently. Deceit. The lip of truth shall be established forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. In other words, a lying tongue will spell your end and your doom if not repented of. And I want to press this upon you as young people if you go down a path in which you are telling lies, you're fudging the truth, you, you are used to having half-truths, white lies as they call it, which is simply Satan's term for deceit. You start down that path, you'll have a long path back to discover the truth because sin and all sin blinds you. And this sin as well. If you get into the habit of telling lies, of leading a a, a deceitful life, living in falsehood. After a while, you won't know what is true and false about yourself or anything else. Again, you must have a holy resolve before God to not speak a lie, to not deceive, to rather keep silent or rather suffer trouble because you speak the truth than to venture off into this area of telling lies. And connected with this, it's not just about telling lies, it's about living lies. God wants honesty in our hearts. Truth within. Thou desirest truth within. God wants our hearts and our minds and our lives to be like a, a, a pane of glass through which you just look and there's, there's, there's nothing hiding. There's nothing. Things, truth. So there's honesty with respect to God. There's honesty with respect to to one another. There's openness with respect to your parents. and, and, And with respect to your peers. If you have been living a lie, repent today. Don't go on any longer. Turn to the Lord, become honest with him, tell him everything and go back and repent before people whom you've lied to. You will have such freedom under God because as hard as it is and how much trouble it may give you, you will have a clear record before God, having sought forgiveness from Christ. When I own transgression, then thou forgavest me. One more threat. Bad company. Who you choose as your friends. I, I trust you've talked about it this week. just want to emphasize this. You are sure not to persevere if you choose bad company. And Proverbs says this a lot. Be not among wine-bibbers, people who are given to drinking, among riotous eaters of flesh, people who live for the lusts of the flesh, gluttons and all the rest of that, for the body, for bodily lusts, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. And then it says, make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man let thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Let me just say a thing about rap music. Uh, and I, I know there's a lot of other music that's bad too. And and there may occasionally be something that that's that's fine with rap, but a lot of rap music is fury based, anger based, and it's it it is is pushing anger into people's souls, and it's poisoning young people with a lot of anger. A lot of these people um, have endured a lot of a, a lot of problems. But instead of taking this to the Lord and becoming wholesome in their speech, they're pushing the poison of anger into the airwaves of our society. And you need to to turn that off. Listen to what they are saying. And if there is anger there, then turn it off. Because the Bible says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. So that in terms of threats. I want to turn now to our our second point: promises to rely on for perseverance. We've looked at the negative, these threats that Proverbs uncovers for us. But Proverbs is more than just identifying threats. There's lots of gracious promises. And we need that, don't we? We'll talk about how that works in a moment. But here's here's a promise. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. That's a promise. Whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. But he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. What's this talking about? It's talking about a self-reliant life which will end in curse and destruction. A lot of times people say, especially to young people, trust your own heart. Just, just do what your heart tells you to do. There, there's hardly any worse advice that you could be given. Your heart is deceitful, the Bible says, above all things. Don't follow your heart or you will go into darkness and come under the curse. The Bible says here, he that trusteth his own heart is a fool. Instead, what we need is God's heart. We need wisdom from God. And then we shall be delivered. And what will happen in our lives when we trust God and when we commit our ways to the Lord, as Proverbs says, then the Lord shall be in us. And he will make us generous people. He'll make us to give to others. As opposed to takers who are all about themselves. Self-centered. Instead we'll be givers. We'll be helpers. We'll be lovers of others. Lovers of their, their soul. So that first of all. Here's another promise. Great promise. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You want to persevere, you need to daily confess your sins and forsake them. If self reliance is a great hindrance to perseverance, And deliverance through relying on God is a great promise that you can have through faith in Jesus Christ. So too is this. Don't cover your sins. Don't put a layer over them. Pretend like they're not there. And go on with your life. No, make earnest inquiry into your soul. Confess your sin and forsake it. Quite often people come to me and they say, you know, I I, I told God about the wrong that I've done. Sins that I've committed. and, And the next day I'm right there again. Now that's true at some level for every Christian. Because we have to struggle against our flesh. We have indwelling sin. We have those same sins. We have the flesh to contend with. But a lot of times, people confess their sins before God and yet not forsake them are holding on to them. They they hold idols in their heart. Things that they will not give up. Things that they will not do everything to to give them up. And the Lord says you have to be radical with cutting off sin. To cut off the right hand. Cut off the right foot. By that, of course, the Lord doesn't mean self-injury of any kind. But He means to be radical all those things that come <clears throat> into your life that trip you up. Friends, a phone. You're radical. People have said to me, well, I can't get rid of my phone. I said, oh, really? Yes, you can. If your phone causes you to stumble, throw it out. Once I once had a man who was accountable to me for pornography he called me up one day, he said, I need to meet you. And I I dreaded what was going to happen because he was really struggling. He met me at Panera. He had a bag in his hand. And he opened it up, poured it on top of this table here at Panera. Thanks. And it was his phone. With emphasis on was. I said, what happened? He said, I was such in hand-to-hand combat with Satan. I struggled with pornography. He says, I didn't know what to do. I cried out to God. And he said, I just had this impulse to take my throne and to throw it against the brick wall where I was, and it shattered. And I hugged the guy and I said, thanks be to God. 500 $600 phone, worth it deal drastically with sin. Whoso confesseth and forsaketh them. Shall have mercy. Another promise. We read this earlier. The path of the just. Is as a shining light that shineth more and more. Unto a perfect day. And here's the opposite. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Friends, I want you to know something. The Christian life, as hard as it can be at times, is a bright life. It's a radiant life. It's a glorious life. Those of you who are Christians here, you might not feel it all the time. I hope you know, especially those of you who have gone on long in the Christian life, this is the best life. You wouldn't want to trade it for anything else. You have God. You have Christ. You have a hope of eternal life. You have strength. You have a family. You have a purpose in life. You you have every riches in Christ Jesus. You you have a compass. You have everything that you need. God has given you all things That belong unto life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Your cup is full. And sometimes overflowing. And what's more than that. A true Christian is a bright person to others around him. He or she might not feel that themselves. Certainly a lot of the time. But God is reflecting himself and his glory in them. Just like the moon reflects the sun. And, and on a, f- a night with full moon, it, it can be bright. And you're thankful for that. And so too the Christian. He's, he's shining. She's shining. Christians here, ought we not want to be winsome people to those around us? Shining people. Children of the light. As the Bible says. Yes, maybe that starts with a dawn. Maybe just one ray of light. It's like four o'clock or earlier. even. You get that first little hue there on the horizon. Orange or whatever it is. Purple sometimes. Uh, it may be like that. But in the Christian life, as we live faithfully under God's Word, leaning on Christ. Christ says this. You are the light of the Word. He says that to his disciples. And we say back to the Lord, Lord, I'm not the light of the world. Lord, you are the light of the world. And he says, yes. But I've made you to be the light of the world as well. And I'm shining through you. And my dear Christian friend here today, I pray God that it would soon be 9 o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock in the morning and 11 o'clock in the morning and the bright noonday sun in your life. All by God's grace. And that the path that God makes you go, no matter what hardships there may be, but that even in the midst of them, because Christ is with you, there'll be shining. Richard Wormbrand, who was Persecuted for his faith, a minister for many years in prison in Eastern Europe because of the communist regime. Later on when he was released from prison, he said some of his best days were there in prison when emaciated. Getting but a crust of bread once a day and often giving it to other prisoners because they, they were more needy of it, especially the sick. He said Christ was so precious. He says those were among the brightest days of his life. If Christ can do that, then in prison. He'll be there for you no matter what trial, affliction, and struggle you might face. Today, friends, there's two doors, two gates, two ways. The path of the just, of the believer, is like a shining light. Won't you go? Won't you come with us who are traveling that way until that perfect day? Until heaven. The new heavens and the new earth. When there won't be any sun. Because Christ will be the sun. He'll be everything. Won't you go with us? My friend who art lingering there at the broad gate. At, at the Broadway. My friend come with us. Come now. Everything you would ever need for life and for eternity. Is here. Through the narrow gate. On the narrow way. And you'll find it too. Come with us. These are precious promises that God gives his people. And as we battle sin and Satan, you need to lean on these promises. You need to take these promises. You need to claim these promises. That's what God wants us to do. Some people say, well, you can't just take them, can you? If the Lord has a promise in his word, it's there for the taking. What do you think that woman with the issue of blood went for 12 years trying to find solutions and she couldn't find anything? What do you think she did? She did what was illegitimate, illegal in those days. As an unclean woman, she pressed herself through the crowd until she came to the Savior. He who is holy, harmless, and undefiled. If she had stopped and asked for counsel of lots of people, they'd say, well, you might be taking this too far. No, she pressed, pressed, pressed. until she came to the hem of Christ's garment, and she clung to that. She touched it. And she wouldn't let it go in a certain sense. Why was that? Because she knew there was healing in him. And she claimed the promises. That here was the great physician and she was made whole. For every struggle and trial that you have in life, cling to and claim the promises of God. Scour the Bible and see where or not there's a promise you can point your finger to and call on God and say, Lord, fulfill this promise. I need it. I need it now more than ever before. And that's how you go forward. And that's how you persevere. We just have a few, a few minutes left. And let me hurry on here to some practical strategies. Practical strategies for perseverance. Three of them. First of all, a steady path. We, list, we listen to this too. Let thine eyes look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. What is, what is Solomon saying here? Cut a straight path through life. Don't veer this way. Don't veer that way. I hope all of you are good drivers. But maybe some of you are caught driving on the road like this. I've been there myself. One time I was driving down 69 from Canada towards Grand Rapids, and it was late at night. It was probably 2 in the morning. I wanted to get home, and uh, I was starting to get sleepy. And I opened my window and was clapping my hands, trying to stay awake. I'm glad the police officer just left, by the way. And I just thought, you know, one more hour, one more hour, and I'll be home. And the last thing, oh, there he comes. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Last thing I remember is all of a sudden some red police lights there in the distance. And I I woke up. And I went to the side of the road, and there he was. And he came carefully, gingerly to me to my window and said, sir, you were right said, yeah, I think so. He he was wondering if I was drunk, which I wasn't. and um, He he could see that pretty quickly. He said, sir, I followed you for two miles. You were driving like this across the lanes. He says, that's not good. That's not not right. So I told him a situation. I'm coming from Canada. My wife's an hour away. I just want to get home. He said, pull off the road. Walk around. You'll probably make it. That was a godsend. I mean, I I really believe that the Lord kept me in that moment. But my point is, don't be like I was that night at 2 o'clock in the morning with your life. Don't veer like a drunk from side to side. Cut a straight course through your life. How do you do that? By having this word before you every day. And by looking to Christ, who is the goal of it all. He's the source of it all. He's the end of it all. How does it say it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. A good friend of mine said, and it's always stayed with me, he said, for every mile of road, you have two miles of ditches. It's easier to stay, to fall in one of the two ditches than to stay in the road. And you don't stay in the middle of the road by By looking at this ditch and then at that ditch. And that's how a lot of people live their lives. They're looking at this arrow over here and so they veer over to that side. And then, oh, there's this arrow over there so they veer over to this side. Don't do that. Cut a straight path by looking to Christ, by believing His Word. And don't be too preoccupied with what's happening around you, what people are believing over there. Stay with the Word and you will cut a clear path. Let thine eyes look right on At Christ. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. A steady path. Secondly. For a just man falleth seven times. And riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. What is this talking about? Someone who will persevere is someone who who stumbles, who falls, but gets up again, quickly. Confessing your sin like we saw, forsaking your sin, going to God, and going forward in the Christian life. Not sinking down into a pit. Not going backward. Not parking yourself at the side of the road. The just man falleth seven times and riseth up again but the wicked shall fall into mischief. There's a great text in Micah 7 where the prophet says this, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. The Lord will be a light unto me. And that needs to be our attitude. We will sin. We will fall. Be resolved before God when you fall to turn quickly and to seek God. Satan does two things. And you need to know both of these things. First of all, he tempts you to sin. He makes sin look better than it is, That then it's, it's bad, but he makes it look good. And then he gets you to fall. And then he's right away there saying, see, there's no hope for you. You're an awful sinner. There you go again. See, it's a lost cause. And he's wrong both times. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise with God-centered repentance and faith looking to Christ. Here's the last thing. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. How will you and I persevere if we are Christians? We need to be in the fear of God all the day long. That means we live in the presence of God. We fear to offend God. We love the smiles of God. We hate the frowns of God. We live in the conscious presence of God all the day long. People ask you, why are you doing this and not that? May it be that you can say, I'm trying with God's help to live in the fear of God all the day long. That's the best life. Your expectations shall not be cut off. Well, as we close here, if you're here tonight and you've never begun this race, you can't persevere unless you've begun the race, the Christian race. And whoever you are, my friend, please don't persevere in the road that you are right now. Don't persevere in sin and folly. In fact, today, give your divorce bill to sin and to Satan and say, I'm marrying wisdom. I'm going with Christ. I won't go your way anymore, Satan. I must have Christ. The book of Proverbs, maybe you've discussed this too, says, Make wisdom your spouse. Say to wisdom, You're my sister, my spouse. You marry wisdom. And like the Proverbs 31 woman, she'll be with you. She'll never do you wrong. Christ will be your all in and all. And never leave him. And never forsake him. And then persevere through wisdom, which is Christ. I started with this metaphor of the Mars rover and this helicopter. Some of you have never taken off. I pray, God, by his holy spirit that perseverance and ingenuity or wisdom would be bound together in your heart that you would be born again today by god's grace and the rest of your life till the finish line god would give you perseverance through wisdom and that when you reach that final end and you look back you'll say it's all of god's grace amen Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank Thee so much that Thou art wisdom incarnate. Now at the right hand of the Majesty and High, pray for every single young person here. Pray for those who have believed, that they would know whom they have believed, and that they would walk in the fear of God all the day long, that they would resolve afresh to go Thy way when they fall, that they would arise, and they would plead the promises of God, not go forward in their own strength, and that Thou wouldst make them bright and shining lights in the midst of this dark world. pray for those who have never started this wonderful journey, O Lord, melt their hearts even tonight. May they find a place where they can pour out their souls before Thee, where not the loud noise of this world and of friends and technology just keeps them from being serious about eternal things they cry out to thee for mercy thou dost change them and they together with Christian friends might be soul winners and persevere till the very end all by thy grace through wisdom we ask this all in Jesus name amen